From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Shelley Jodwin. And I'm Andrea Gallivan. And we'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, Terra Informa Shelley Jodwin interviewed Joshua Bernard, a sustainable housing project manager with the Alberta Rural Development Network. They discuss ARDN's aim to create housing that is both sustainable and affordable. But first, here are some headlines from around the world. Get your gardening gloves and hats ready because May 7th to 13th is International Compost Awareness Week. Celebrate the value of compost by getting out to your local community garden, your backyard garden, or your city's botanical garden. Keep your ears open for any cool composting-related events happening in your city. In Edmonton, we're lucky to have the compost school. As in, compost is cool, but also school. Good one, city of Edmonton. Despite the cheesy name, the compost school has everything an Edmontonian could want to help you start your own composting operation, whether it be a large backyard bin or a small bin of worms. Their hours begin on May 13th and are open from 10 to 4 p.m. on weekends and holidays until Labor Day. Find them in real life between the John Jansen Nature Center and Fort Edmonton Park and on the internet at facebook.com slash compost school, spelled C-O-O, no spelled S-C-O-O-L. I really need that compost school. <laughs> <laughs> For listeners not in Edmonton, check out your city's website or check out the Compost Council of Canada's website at compost.org slash English slash compost underscore week dot H-T-M. A number of other compost-related links will be posted on our website at terrainforma.ca. Happy gardening. If you have an eye for design and are keen to draw inspiration from nature, then you should check out the third annual Alberta Biomimicry Workshop that will be happening here on the University of Alberta campus on June 24th and 25th. Registration is $150, but there is a discount rate for students. You can find more information about this event at terrainforma.ca. You might be thinking to yourself, what is biomimicry exactly? Biomimicry in this context, is drawing inspiration from the natural world. For example, the beak of kingfisher birds have provided the blueprint for more aerodynamic designs and trains. If you're interested in learning more about how nature has influenced human design, check out www.asknature.org or look at the Biomimicry Institute's website at biomimicry.org. The Alberta Rural Development Network, ARDN, connects post-secondary institutions and helps fund rural development projects. Back in January 2017, Terra Informa Shelley Jodouin interviewed the project manager, Joshua Benard, of the ARDN Sustainable Housing Initiative. They discussed how the ARDN is creating affordable housing that is environmentally and financially sustainable in seven rural communities in Alberta. Since then, 
ARDN hosted the Rural Homelessness and Housing Conference on April 4th in Niskiyou. Stay tuned to learn about creative solutions for rural homelessness, including shipping container housing, mixed market housing, and mixed community housing. back in 2009 by Alberta's 21 post-secondary institutions and it was created to uh, fund different projects um, to further rural development, the growth of rural development. So um, communities that might not you know, necessarily have the resources or capacity to, to do certain things or, or the ability or the, the wherewithal on who to contact to look into or investigate a problem and, and not only investigate the problem but implement the solution and make sure that it just doesn't sit on the shelf. We kind of now focus on, on vulnerable populations. We have a project um, to engage Aboriginal youth uh, in the workforce. We actually administer the federal funding for homelessness in rural Alberta. We've been doing that for a number of years now. And we also have a, uh, a project, uh, uh, Access to Justice, which is done in both uh, official languages. And then the last one is a you know, business development and diversification for uh, communities on, on how to attract new businesses or, or if they have a business within a community that might be kind of stagnant, looking how we can help those, those, those businesses continue to thrive and grow. So originally, um, it was a, a three-year project. It was funded by the Alberta Rural Development Fund, and I think the average funding per project was about $10,000. Um, and that, that kind of go, that speaks to our larger belief that a dollar spent in rural goes much farther than a dollar spent in an urban center. Um, you can get, you can accomplish much more. It costs a lot less to do things in, in rural communities than it does in urban centers. After that three-year funding uh, ran out, our membership, so originally we were, um, you know, the membership was 21, all 21 post-secondaries, uh, is now down to nine. Um, and now we don't have grant funding from the province. We actually fund uh, ourselves through, uh, you know, project funding. So, for example, with the um, uh, Sustainable Housing Initiative, we've helped uh, bring in more than $330,000 um, in a year. And uh uh, and that again, like that does a lot, a lot for uh, for rural communities. So that's actually helped seven seven rural communities. It will have completed set, going towards uh, completing seven uh, analysis of needs and demand, uh, seven uh, business plans, and then a number of other things like uh, financial viability, some preliminary site plans, and building permit drawings uh, for certain communities. So we've done a lot with that, and we're we're continuing to move forward. That's some really important work. Um, yeah. I, I grew up in a rural community, um, so I definitely can feel how much impact that sort of stuff will have. Um, and the, the focus on vulnerable communities um, is, uh, is especially big, um, I think, because often rural communities, there's a sentiment that they, they get less access to resources and things like that. Um, but I'm Absolutely. sure the, the impact is so much harder on those vulnerable communities than even the general populace. The communities do a really good job to kind of lean on each other, but um, you know there there needs to be more uh, 
there needs to be more investment from from both the federal and the provincial government and um, and you know in affordable housing that's one aspect but there's other areas too that they can improve on too yeah so one one of the ways I guess that you guys are targeting this is um, through a strategy for eco-friendly affordable housing in rural communities so I was pretty excited to read about this um, do you mind kind of giving us this reel and telling us what it's about actually originally when I moved out to Alberta um, I knew I wanted to do something to help uh, vulnerable populations and actually my original focus was uh, um, at-risk women in the city of Edmonton and when I started doing some research and seeing where some of these vulnerable populations were coming specifically the homeless um, I realized that the majority of people uh, that are homeless at Edmonton are coming from actually outside of Edmonton and and the majority of that that, that group is actually from rural Alberta I'm a strong believer in in, in uh, um, prevention as opposed to intervention. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, as a society, we focus a lot on on um, intervention. And um, I had the opportunity with ARDN to start looking at how we could um, do something and see if there was an opportunity. Uh, so in, in 2015, we put out a call for expressions of interest uh, to find out if there was actually a need uh, within rural um, rural Alberta and uh, more than 35 communities uh, came back to us within a month saying that they were you know at varying you know varying levels of, of need and um, were very interested in pursuing projects Wow that's a lot it was really interesting when I first started this I said you know we're gonna have one solution kind of a one-size-fits-all cookie cutter it's gonna be great and it's just gonna it will work and I went into the first rural community and and walked out a couple hours later and realizing that I was I couldn't have been more wrong. Each community is different. Each community is going to, you know, they'll lead their own process. They just need the help to get there. Um, so they need some financial help. They need all the pieces kind of brought together for them to kind of pick what they want it to look like or what they're comfortable with and unbiased guidance on how to get there. You know, the focus that we've had is that um, here's the process, you know, the um, the best path forward. Here are all the options that you can look at um, and trying to identify what you want to do and, and, and how to get there um, and what it looks like. Um, so the shipping container model, if, for example, is just one application for you know a construction type. If somebody wanted to do conventional or if they wanted to reuse an existing building, you know at the end of the day, um, we're our focus is to help people build um, sustainable housing. So there's other elements that we'll incorporate into that mm-hmm. or, or, you know, try and um, encourage groups to um, incorporate into that. Um, but uh, by no means are, are, you know, are we are we forcing people to do specific things? The shipping containers is one thing that I was going to ask you about. Um, so uh, I personally think shipping container housing sounds really awesome. Um, and it, it would be a, a neat way to live um, and certainly is a, an an exciting way to repurpose something that we have a lot of already. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the benefits of u- using shipping containers and especially um, if any special attention um, is paid to the fact that we live in such a cold climate and shipping containers are made out of steel? So people first hear shipping containers and they freak out. Um, and you know, you see a lot of stuff on the internet, you see a lot of stuff on even TV and what we're talking about doing with shipping containers isn't what you typically see. 
you know, there's buildings that have already been built with shipping containers and uh, you would never know inside or out that it was actually a shipping container. Um, so the idea is to use the shipping container as a structural component, an element of the building, but it's not a aesthetic component. It's not, it's not an architectural uh, detail. It's, it's solely uh, the perp, the sole purpose of it is, you know, a, a steel structure that's non-combustible. Um, you know, steel is, in my opinion, superior to, um, you know, other, other options out there such as, uh, wood. Um, and you know, you're not confined to, uh, a certain width or length. The only real constraint you have is height, uh, within the container. Uh, now in terms of insulating, um, these, these containers, uh, um, can be insulated just, you know, the exact same way you would insulate a home. Um, you know, maintaining a thermal break and, and, uh, you know, it's totally code compliant. Um, so there's no issue there. Like I said, you're not actually seeing the container when you start seeing the container, that's when you have thermal transfer. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, in this situation, that's not an issue. Um, and you would never know, like I said, you would never know that it was, uh, um, you know, there, there's a, a hotel that's just been built in Bruderheim. Um, and it's been all made out of containers and they have a modular, elevator inside of it and um so i mean the motels typically you know those the larger chains have pretty big standards in terms of the finishing um so if, the, if it works for them uh, you know, i'm i'm very confident that w- we can make it work for us wow cool one of the other things i wanted to ask you about um and you touched on this a bit earlier but uh but there is a lot of uh, geographical distance um and variation in the communities um that are actually being built in, right? Um, so is there anything that you see a, a lot of creative license um, being taken on or uh, already kind of emerging? I mean, what's interesting is that um, you, you get a lot of the same kind of initial challenges in the front end. People are, people are afraid of the unknown. Um, so, you know, we've done, we've, we've done some community consultations, we've done some community surveys. And what's interesting is that f- f- people start talking about you know the um, um, you know crime rates and 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 property values and what are the impacts. Um, but then once we start getting into it and when they start actually writing down you know some of their comments or concerns, um, the way we go through it is is to educate them about what affordable housing truly is and isn't. And you know what are the failings of some of the projects that have you know hurt communities in terms of driven. Uh, um, property values down and increased crime rate. So, I mean, when you talk about creative license, mm-hmm. the first step is just educating the community on what the options are. We're starting to get in the stage where, yes, where it's almost like it's going to be a baton that we hand off and they just start running with it. We'll continue to facilitate, but they're then now the project leader. But the first step is education um, on, you know, what affordable housing is and, and how to get how to get there and how to make it sustainable. You know, we talk about environmental sustainability, but we also have to talk about long-term management. Um, how is this project, is it going to rely on con- continual um, subsidies from either the local municipality or the, the province? Um, to me, that isn't sustainable. We look at a mixed model. Um, so what I mean by that is having people that are, you know, below market rent and, and, and market rent. So you're not kind of, putting one income um, bracket into 
a housing unit, it's going to be created of you know people that are making $75,000 and maybe $30,000. And that's a community. You can't just, you know, one education, one income level and one gender into a, a an apartment building doesn't foster a community. It needs to be diverse. And that's what we're really, that's our project. That's the model we're really trying to, you know, uh, bring to the table. That's really exciting um, because I think often people will expect that, um, especially in terms of income brackets, that if you're building affordable housing, then um, that's going to go to um, people who can't afford the housing that already exists. So how how does that work? I think like on a management level, if you're if you're mixing income levels like that. What we do is we, I mean, just to give you a, an example, like we would take 60, 40%. So 40% would be affordable housing. 60% would be market housing. So um, somebody that has a steady job and a good income um, and is, let's call it, you know, uh, making again between 50 and, and uh, $75,000 and um, it's costing you know, well below 30% of their income to pay for that, the rent and all their all their uh, rental costs um, because they have a dual income or whatever the situation might be, they mm-hmm. would be the market. So they'd be at, at market. So whatever their average rent within that community or that neighborhood would be, they would be paying that rent. And the other 40% would be below market um, or the affordable component. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of their rent would actually be subsidized by the market rent. So that's so how you that are, get it to be financially sustainable. Yeah, that's one. That's one element that we look at is is you know there's kind of three factors. It's what are your management costs? What are your what's your revenue? And what's your what's the initial investment that you you're putting down as a down payment? Um, those are the three factors. So uh, you have to tweak all those numbers to get them to the right place. Um, obviously, the initial investment. So how much money you put down. Um, is, a, is a huge one because that's that will dictate how much it costs per year to service your debt um, but also how much revenue you're bringing in based on is it a is it a, you know is it a 60 40 split is it is it you know 50 50 you know what what are the opportunities is it a one bedroom is it a two bedroom is it a three bedroom because each one brings in um, different amounts of money but the idea is that you know 60 percent if that's what you go into 60 percent will be market and 40 percent would be below market or affordable and then you know it, it subsidizes the the market rent you know helps subsidizes the affordable component so it's, it's switching gears a little bit um one of your partners is uh in Laclabish uh portage college where the housing initiative targets students specifically so can you speak to how that might change the project there at all yeah no it's, it's interesting because again uh originally we had a kind of a, a very uh, clear focus and we've seen that the the need is kind of it, it doesn't it's just not just one demographic uh, with Portage College and, and Laclabish as as well as Boyle because they're they're actually um, leading the project in both those communities. The idea is okay. They know that they have a, a need for their students, which is which is fantastic. So they're they're very focused on on addressing that need um, in the in the coming years. Um, um, but is there an opportunity within the community um, to work with the community, so the municipality, the other um, uh, agencies and, and, and not-for-profits that are trying to address some of the challenges of, you know, maybe it might be uh, people fleeing violence, it might be 
the men's shelter. There's a, a number of different agencies or organizations within the community that are trying to address you know, putting people in housing, and they don't have any housing available. Mm-hmm. And especially with the pipeline that's just been announced, um, you know, rental costs there are going to start going up. They're really looking, they're exploring that as an option. The first and second quarter of next year, they will continue to talk to uh, these groups and try and define everybody's roles and 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 put that project together and solidify it and then ideally you know break ground uh, within the next year or so yeah that sounds like it could be a really awesome community building opportunity to integrate the student population with some of these other groups um, and what's interesting what's interesting about it is because you might and then like we've talked there's so many different options there it's, it's right now we're almost in the brainstorming phase of that we've put together all the financials and the need and we've identified a number of different things but now we're now we're talking within the community and saying you know what do we want this project to truly look like and you know is, is there going to be a mentoring component do you want to have senior you know uh people that are senior citizens that don't have there's no room in the seniors lodge so they can come there and there can be a mentoring program with students um you know they have a nursing program at the college are they able to, to, to provide some assisted living for, for seniors? Um, so there's a number of different opportunities where there's some, you know, practical applications that they could actually apply one way or the other. Um, and that project, it's, a, it's about a 90-unit building. So it's a, it's a very large project. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a lot of these other communities, we're talking about between 10 and 30 units at, at a maximum. Okay. Um, in, in Portage College's case, we're talking about, you know, nine, 90 units. I think it's really exciting the opportunity to to get some kind of intergenerational community building. Students and seniors are often people that are seeking out community. And you you know, you see examples around the world of of you know, students living for free in seniors' home if if they uh, buddy up with a senior for 10 hours a week and that sort of thing, right? Right now uh Senior citizens that are put into seniors' homes or assisted living facilities go through a number of different mental health issues, and we're seeing a growing mental health problem on campus as well. So, again, putting one group of individuals, you know, and segregating them is is not a community. That's that does not foster community. If somebody's away from their family, whether that's be a senior citizen or a student, it might be nice to have, you know some young kids around or it might be nice to have somebody that you can go to and talk to and get their input and not feel like you're necessarily going to be judged or they might be like a grandparent or a parent to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really exciting. Especially, yeah, because there are so many success stories already. So you're starting off on the right foot there with that. Our, our focus for this whole project, and again, I, you know, it's important to, to mention this, um, we're not looking to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of good examples of, of best practice out there. And what we're doing is we're just kind of combining them together potentially um, for a new, a new project. But ultimately, we're looking at, okay, you know, what, what are the best practices out there that exist that we can, we can draw on? Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's an excellent way to go for sure. So um, just to switch gears again, I'm just curious a bit more about uh, some of the environmental elements um, of this project. So we've already discussed using shipping containers as as a base for uh, the buildings, but is it in the works at all to have any other sorts of uh, 
environmental technologies integrated into these buildings, anything like renewable generation or, um, you know, other kind of energy efficiency savings? And are you working with any any building standards like LEED or anything like that? So absolutely. Um, you know, when, when we talk about sustainable, we look at it from a number of different uh, angles. Uh, one of the things that I was talking about earlier was that there's three kind of things. It's it's your initial investment. Um, it's going to be your revenue that you're generating and your your management costs. So how do you how do you address your management costs? Um, you know, by lowering your your operational costs through you know your utilities. Solar is a is a definite. That's something that you know can be put into play on on, on a number of these uh, projects. Unfortunately, it's not. You know, it's not great in the winter, but you know, it does a lot more in the summer in most cities just because of where we are. Geothermal is something else that we're looking at. Yeah, and especially with the new carbon levy, um, you know, we're hoping to see that there's going to be some uh, incentives um, that will offset some of the additional costs to implement some of these, um, um, you know, methods when we decide to, to build. Right. Yeah, that would definitely help you along for sure. This is a very exciting project. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about it. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the one thing that take away is that, you know, these projects are moving along. These municipalities are really keen and these groups that we're working with are, are doing it. They will not be able to do it unless um, the provincial government steps up and, um, and helps fund some of these projects. Uh, the reality is right now we've put together a proposal and submitted it to the province um, for $17 million for um, seven projects uh, in seven communities um, for a total of 280 units. Um, you know, we've, we've heard of other examples of projects that have also put proposals in um, in, a, in an urban center um, that was 80 units for $14 million. Um, so we're, we're really trying to offer a lot of bang for buck. That speaks to our larger belief that a dollar spent in rural goes much farther than a dollar spent in an urban center. Um, you can get, you can accomplish much more. It costs a lot less to do things in, in rural communities than it does in urban centers. Um, and again, this is these are projects that are that are designed so they will not be dependent on future funding from the government. So, government funding is going to be huge, um, at least to get these projects up and going at the beginning. Wow. Uh, well, I wish you all the luck with that. Well, the last thing I was going to mention is uh, I think it's the first. You know, I, I won't say the first, but we are very excited because we have uh, support from every party um, in the province on this project. That's really impressive. Um, and that that definitely will go a long way to helping yeah, so this be successful for sure. Thanks again. Um, I really appreciate your time. This has been really fun to learn about. Yeah, well, thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cheers. Have a good day. That was Terra Informant, Shelley Jodouin, with Joshua Benard, a project manager with the Alberta Rural Development Network. More information on ARDN can be found at www.ardn.ca. If you want to hear even more stories like that, check out our website at terrainforma.ca. And while you're there, look for the survey tab in the menu. We would love to get to know you, our listeners, and what you enjoy about the show. Your input can influence the content we gather over the next year. 
Also, upon completing the survey, you can enter a draw for a chance to win the opportunity to host Terra Informa like we are right now with us in Edmonton. If you're from another city, no problem. You can still co-host from afar. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet it at Terra Informa. Visit us at terrainforma.ca and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks this week to our contributors, Amanda Rooney, Ashley Coaches, Nat Hontar, Charlie Blay, and Lauren Carter. We've been your hosts, Shelley Jodwin and Andrea Galvan. Catch you next week for more environmental news. <laughs>